He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere before a keeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Welcome to week 89 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined this week by Will. Hey, Will. Hey, James. How's it going? Good. And Barry. Hey, Barry. How's it going, guys? Anybody who wants to get in contact with us, our Twitter handle is at PodcastGTS and our email is goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. Um, I suppose we'll just start very briefly with uh, some Twitter interaction that, that occurred after last week's show where we were discussing handicaps and... Uh, I think John has been back on to us, Barry, isn't that right? John, John's back on and pinging Will on this one, actually. But um, He's saying the flaw in Ireland is a bandit culture. He's saying, you need, thank you for readjusting your chair, Will. You feeling yeah. better now? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, just, good. when you called me into the conversation. He's saying, um, you shouldn't need 43 points to win. And, yeah, in theory, I'd, I'd agree with that. But there are there are other factors, that, like the conditions on the day could lead to the course playing a lot easier than it should. Um John posted a photo from, I think it's Wikipedia, saying, a handicap is a numerical measure of a golfer's potential playing ability based on the tees played for a given course. So, well, I know, true. well, for example, right, there is, um, if you go onto the continent, like Spain and whatnot, right, there is a, a situation where they use grading systems based on the, the, the slope rating, like slope in the States. Rate. Yeah, like in the States. So, for example, if you were to come to Glen of the Downs, um, your handicap would be adjusted by a factor. <clears throat> yeah. No. Whatever about being on the blue course, because the blue course is, is re- relatively tough. You know, we all find it tough. But if you were to play it on the whites during the winter, you could have a slope or a grading system of, let's say, minus two on your handicap. You know, that sure, sure. So I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with handicaps. There obviously is a bandit culture. I will agree with that. Because there are people out there that do play to... You know, uh, massage, I think, is the word I'm, 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 I'm using here. Uh, we're hoping that the new rules that James was going through in some detail last week... That um, that they will take effect mm. and possibly, hopefully, take that out. But you're still, you know, it's like anything. You're still going to find people who who will find a way to bend the rules to their advantage. And um, if that wasn't the case, well, then you know, you're talking about that in golf and in real life. James might be out of a job. Well, <laughs> yeah. one, one, one of the one of the uh, one of the things that I always had a problem with, and something I thought that they should look at is if you have a no return you should actually get point one taken off your handicap oh I love that because you, you know you could be playing really well and then you know if it's a strokes competition and then you decide not to play the 18th and it goes in as a no return and you automatically get a point one back mm-hmm. and that annoys me uh, I just I think the no returns really is something that you know should be looked at that to try and encourage that everybody, because it also has an effect on the How about effect. you make it a point five, and that'll really discourage it. Well, obviously, there'll be a lot of people playing off scratch. Scratch my pretty non-return. Just so I can tell people that they have scratch. I think whether it's it, it's an automatic, either you should have no handicap change, neither point one back or minus point one, mm. but it should have a discretion that if there's a consistent no returns happening. That there is a penalty, like a, a 0.5 reduction or a 0.3 reduction, something well, that... Well, did you know that there is, like, not with regards to handicaps, but, you know, there is a review at the end of every year uh, with regards to handicaps and competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the GUI, being the Golfing Union of Ireland, 
um, send out reports to all the clubs that are registered with them. So, for example, you get a report on people who the GUI would recommend for handicap cuts or increases, increases based mm-hmm. on the competition. You know, if someone was particularly performing well, they may turn around and say that Barry O'Hanran, you know, has... Um, sorry, I can't keep a straight face talking about reductions for Barry. Sorry. I should have gone James. Okay, so let's say, for example, James plays really good golf for, you know, such and such the year and they turn around and say he should be cut an extra shot. Barry, you know, has a bad year. Maybe he has to get plus one shots, right? So, but also what they do is there's a report based on the amount of non-returns that people have. Mm. And there's no recommendations or anything like that, but what they do is that, you know, there could be letters sent out from the club to the people who have been putting in non-returns. But that, that kind of deals with the non-return section. But it doesn't deal with people who just play an awful lot of match play, bet four ball, better balls, that never get handicap reductions. Four person team reductions. playing really, really, really good golf. Yeah. But aren't playing in single competitions, but are playing a lot of four ball or, you know, team events. Mm. And are actually playing way above the handicap, you know, way below their actual handicap. But when it turns up to being a singles competition, they're still playing off 18 when in fact they played six weeks of team yeah. events and are actually realistically off 12 or 13. Sure, there sure. used to be something now, this is something based on historic, you know, that I was told that um, it was an honour system, you know, with, within golf, right? Now, golf is all about honour anyway, but that if you were playing in four-person team rumbles or four balls or something like that, that if you won um, two prizes within a year, two first prizes or two competitions in mm-hmm. a four-person team rumble, that you should automatically cut yourself a shot. And mm. um, you should go to your handicap secretary, uh, you know, tell them that you have won competitions that you played particularly well, and that you should cut yourself a shot. How many times have anybody actually put in when you play away from home? Because I think this is the endemic problem here: is that they don't play predominantly in their own course; they play somewhere else, and for whatever reason, cards just don't seem to be returned to the. Handicap secretary of. Well, aren't of the waste course. scores now linked together? But not, no, no, they are if you play in open competitions. Mm. Yeah, yeah, singles, but sure. not for four-person team rumbles. Oh no, but singles competitions they are linked. The oh, systems yeah. are all linked electronically now. Yeah, so, yeah. Like for example, I played in Nace there last weekend or yeah. last week or whatever, and um, it took a week or something for it to come through. But I did eventually get my point one back. Which led okay. me to go from six point four to six point. Which is why actually I asked you at the weekend. I didn't well, like realize seven. why yeah. you were. You well, no, were that was because of nice. Oh, yeah. Um, but look, a it's, little, it's, it's a little an bit interesting. Of, yeah. Before you go, a little bit of interaction from Anthony Ugoni down in Australia saying what yeah. how their handicap system goes. Um, he said their handicaps are based on the best eight of their last twenty rounds, with seven percent shaved off the average between the gross and the par. The average of those eight rounds. So, so it's quite a tough system. And he say he says that. Playing your handicap is quite an achievement. It's not unusual to see only 10 or 15 players with more or e- more than or equal to 36 points from a field of 150. So that's 10% of the field would beat. So, you know, there's days in our place where you could have sometimes 30% of the field would be par or better. Just, it depends on the conditions of the day as well. Yeah, I, I think um, the CSS should, should be looked at because that yeah. actually is probably where in the CSS, if you're, if you are having that, then there should be much bigger cuts. But sure, obviously yeah. there's, there's... But that does reflect. So, like, the day that you're talking about the 30% being, 
you know, above, the CSS will be the CSS will be seventy or sixty nine sometimes. I'm I'm very very rare. I've never seen sixty nine. Seventy one being our usual. Par, like, yeah. Yeah. I've seen it being seventy, and there's been days where I've battled around to thirty six or to thirty six points to find out that I'm still one below. Yeah, you're going, <laughs> what the hell happened? It's I think one of the best things that could happen here in Ireland and the UK would be the introduction of that slope rating. So when you go from your home course to another course that is sloped to a higher level, it's a more difficult course per the slope rating, you get a handicap adjustment that'll give you a chance to, to play fairly on that course. And equally, if you go to an easier course, your handicap gets adjusted so you have less to play with. In your handicap. Also, in an ideal world, you're talking about the fact that if this was to be a great system, what you could have is the computer system would have a record of how many times you've played that golf course in either open play or four ball play or four person team play, which would then for mean that you may have a slope of let's say minus two or plus two. But for so for example, if a tough sure. a course like Waterville, right? Um, or Druids or something like that which is really tough golf course or Port Marnock right okay. you go from we'll just keep naming golf courses we could be here till the end of the show sorry yeah, I mean yeah. it's like you know so tough golf courses right I was trying to give a golf course that someone might actually recognise that you know so if you go to a golf course and it's your first time playing you're obviously going to find it very very tough mm-hmm. irrespective of what golf course but if the computer system can tell you so you should have got two extra shots but because you played it four times before you don't get one and a half or one or one, one. yeah yeah that's a good idea. No, I, th- I think it would be a great thing. So, I, 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 to my understanding, all of the courses in Ireland are slope rated. They have a slope rating for all courses in Ireland. They just haven't implemented it as a system. I'm sure they have their reasons for it. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, I think the reality is that no system is perfect, no. but um, it's definitely one that needs to be looked at because I think we all agree, and we saw this very clearly on Sunday, um, we played, the three of us, um in some of the most horrendous rain and wind and just dreadful, yeah. dreadful uh, weather. Driving rain for sometime four, sometimes five club wind. Well, yeah, like there was, I think at one point, uh, I think Ronan, who was playing with us, hit a drive at three wood and was still short of the green on a par four. And he yeah. was just like, I'd be usually hitting a driver and like a wedge into this. Yeah, and well, it was, that was the eighth, was it? Outrageous. I, yeah. hit, I hit a crack and drive and hit one of the, a flush three iron that went only 150 yards and I'd usually hit that. Just past the bunker. Yeah, just I past the bunker. I heard you saying, I can't believe I hit it like a three iron. But yeah, we, I absolutely yeah. just nailed it and it went nowhere. It but you, you, were, you came in after nine because you were just soaked and wet and miserable. It was horrible. Myself yeah. and Barry battled on, I hit 20 points and I scratched the 11th, which was just straight into the wind. I think I hit driver four and four <coughs> and I was short of the green. But, um, but the problem with it was that we came in and a guy who had played only finished, what, 45 minutes before us yeah. in the worst of weather came in with 27 points. And it was just like, what for 12 hell? holes? For 12 holes. Yeah. I was yeah. like, that's just outrageous. I think it was, I think it was literally impossible to do. So. So but look, it wasn't impossible if he did it. No, that's true. Yeah. So uh, look, uh, and you know the worst thing is, I met the person who was marking his card. He wasn't particularly happy about the fact that he had to stay out. Yeah. He said he walked <laughs> the last three holes because he just didn't want to leave him because he was on a fairly decent score. Wow. So he and it was horrible. I mean, for anyone listening out there. I had to walk in after the ninth hole. I didn't even shake hands with the lads because they were still finishing. You actually picked up the ball. I picked up the ball. I picked up the ball on the ninth. One of the guys who was playing with us, Ronan, 
lost his uh, bag cover and he started running off back down the nine. Oh, well, he lost the umbrella. The umbrella of the fifth. The fifth uh, to watch the third green. The umbrella, the umbrella one was quite hilarious because it involved him running after it for about 400 to 450 yards. yards. And then a long walk back. Back into, into the wind. Into the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so look, um, yeah, we're not going to go on about our game. The battle could be going on about the, 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 the handicaps and all that. That argument or that discussion could go on. Oh, we can do, do a show. So, yeah. John, yeah. John, listen, I appreciate everything you're saying. We're never <laughs> going to have an answer to that. One final thing from Twitter. Mark Sheehan wants you to see photos of, wants to see photos of your new golf clubs. He said, uh, That's will, right. you be, will you be investing in iron covers to keep them shiny? <laughs> well, I did say to you at the time that the AP1s that I had, you know, got scuffed and very badly, you know, worn fairly quickly. It's a dull uh, matte finish. It's a dull matte finish. And, your seven twelve AP two still look like they came out of the the box. Are they what nearly two and a half, three years old or something like that? Well, they were certainly they're certainly four they're, years. They're three years. Stage, they are so three years old. Certain. I got them for my thirtieth. I'm thirty three. Just gone thirty three. Yeah. So they are three years old. Okay. Now these... Happy birthday, Barry! <laughs> 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 when was your birthday? What September sixth? <laughs> oh, okay, happy birthday. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, so no, they're awkward. Yeah, right? thirtieth. <laughs> but like you say, yeah, we don't care about you. They're three years old and they're still. Like I, I clean them off. I, I clean a club after every shot. I'll be my own caddy, but they are they still looking remarkable. Yeah, condition no, for three I, years. No, I, I definitely have looked at it. Uh, I haven't invested. Don't do I it. don't think I will be no. investing. Um, but they are certainly think, being. I think there's nothing funnier than seeing someone who has iron covers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I would, I would buy them if I was travelling with them. If I was, oh, if yeah, I was going on an airplane or something like I that. Would, yeah. I would definitely put them in. You're just packaging them up for travel. You're not. Yeah, yeah. You don't have them on oh, a no, golf no, no, course. No. I find it annoying to have to take off my driver cover. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just want to take it. Uh, I will. Uh, I will get photos and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll get them up. Um, Does he want my... photos of my no nineteen seventy four? We'll get ones. They go. They go back older and older. Next year, next week, they'll be nineteen forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre war. Pre war. Quick question for people out there, right? For club maintenance and whatnot, right? Do you, like say for example, we played in the worst conditions ever on Sunday. Well, the worst conditions I think I've played in mm. a long, long time. Um, did you take in your clubs afterwards? Did you dry them? Did you oh, yeah. wash them yeah. and all that? Uh, well, sorry, I would only ever wash with a, a Brillo bit pad. of soap. No, no, I wouldn't touch it with a Brillo pad. I do just soap and water to clean it out and then just dry them and leave them stand. Yeah. I don't, I put the bag, in fairness, I put the bag near the radiator because it was so wet. Um, my bag that was phenomenal. To, uh, it's the stay dry bag. Fair play to them. Like uh, this is a big plug. That everything inside my bag was bone dry. Oh, I had, was amazing. The, the inside was fine. The problem I had was because of opening and closing the top of it. The actual top where the yeah. the, the cloth bit was wet, so I had it in. But no, I would ordinarily after a normal round of golf. If everything is fine and the, the clubs aren't wet or the gear isn't wet, they'd stay in the boot of my car because I'd be hopeful to get to the driving range at some point. Unless I'm going down to the likes of Karn where they do get maybe a little bit of a clean oh, before yeah, going shine, to a pro yeah, yeah. Well, they also <laughs> get a spot on his bed beside him and their own yeah, pillow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's only at the moment. Uh, that, that will soon go away. No, I, I, Mainly because painfully... my wife is giving out to me for having them in the bed at the same time. <laughs> Pain, I painfully dried all my gear straight after I came home from golf just dried all the clubs down because I knew it was a really bad day and they can rust up I want to get the leave your wedges dry, leave the wedges a bit uh, wet and let them rust up for a bit of grip yeah but, a little bit of grip yeah. Yeah, yeah well look let's let's move on to the news of the week and it's it's been fairly 
quiet in the in the main, but I suppose there's a couple of things. Jordan Spieth has returned back to world number one, but I think we'll probably be talking about him, Day and McElroy chopping and changing for quite some time. So before you go, just with regards to McElroy, Day and Spieth, they I was having a look at the rankings. It's actually Day and Spieth, and then McElroy is actually a good bit behind. Yeah, but we 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 like to think that he's closer just for you, Will. Yeah, um, because oh, we know you'll cry your way through. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's only one shot behind. Talking about the (laughs) talking about the world rankings, though, and I suppose this is something of interest, and we're going to talk about them in much greater detail right now. Which is that uh, Big Phil Mickelson has now dropped out of the world top twenty-five for the first time in I think about thirty years, Um, first time since nineteen ninety-five to be exact. Um, He has very amicably uh, cut ties with Butch Harmon. Um, Is this? as a reflection of where he sees his game going, or do you think he just has decided that he needs to hear somebody else's voice in his ear for the next season to try and re-spark Yeah, maybe. It's been, a, it's been a couple of tough years for Phil, so, you know, why not try change it up? You know, he's only got a limited amount of years left. Yeah, he's 40, to the 45 at this stage. So, as great as Butch is, and we've all seen the amazing as Butch has done over the years, sometimes something can just go stale, even though it is on the face of a good, so why not give it a shot? Um, and the other thing is, I mean, Phil, Butch lives in Vegas, Phil lives in Arizona. You know, Butch, Butch likes to do the commentating, as you were saying, James, the other day. And maybe he's trying to scale down the amount of work he, he's done. So maybe it was a mutual party. Oh, I th- both I both think parties are probably, you know, listen, no problem, no hard feelings. They'll have a good chat next time they see each other and every time they do bump into each other. I, th- I think that it is absolutely amicable. I don't think, I think Butch Harmon has been indicating he's 72, 73 at this stage yeah. that... You know his his life of giving lessons and doing what he's doing is is starting to wind down, and there's also a lot of younger lads, including his own son, who's out doing the, Harmon, you know, yeah. yeah, so like, you know, I think there's a new movement, and he just wants to focus on one or two players. So I don't think it's any big loss for Butch. And um, I suppose it's a big new story because really it's where he goes from here. Will rather than looking back. Do you see him going the Tiger route and finding himself with four or five different swing coaches over the next few years? Or do you see him saying, look, you know, I'm at a level now where I'm going to just enjoy my golf. I don't need to be pounding it down the drive, uh, driving range day in, day out. I'll play well. I'm in the twilight of the career. I'm going to move on to the seniors at some point in the next number of years. Do you think he'll just teach himself, look after himself? Or do you think he's going to have somebody like you know, uh, uh, well, Claude even, you know, somebody that's going to oversee his, his, his golf. I, I think, you know, and this is with greater, the, the greatest of respect to uh, the way the golf is evolving, that, you know, the youth of the youth that's coming through are just destroying everything that was out there. You know, Phil is still an amazing golfer. Never take that away from him. But I think he's, I think he's, I think he's now over the hill. Well, it's a point that Golf Digest make that just simply says, at the end of the day, Mickelson is now 45 and has passed his prime. He is possibly not ready to give up on being one of the best players in the world, but the reality is that he is no longer able to compete with the new generation. Not over 72 holes, not over a full competition. Um, don't get me wrong, he was pulled in as a wild card for the President's, the President's Cup, and he deserved his wild card pick. He was phenomenal. Um, over the four days for, you know, team motivation for the States, also for some of the shots that he hit and the wedges and the sand play and all that kind of stuff. But 
I think over 72 holes, I think he's now, I think he's now in the land of, you know, okay, he's been very healthy, you know, injury-wise, he's got away with it, but I just don't think he's, you'll see him being, I think, like a bit of a Steve Stricker, you know, pulling back on the amount of times he plays, pulling back on his appearances, um, but he'll still go out and play, he'll still get the sponsor's invites, and he'll still, you know, put a good showing in. Well, uh, we should say he is only just gone outside the top 25, so <laughs> it, it, we're not talking a kind of a Tiger 200 and something, he'll still be in all the WGCs, and, you know, I, I think for... Phil, and maybe I'm wrong here, Barry, but Phil wants to just win one elusive major and add a couple more if he could. That's his club championship, um, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> he's, he may not be overly concerned about going to Sanders or the Fries.com and trying to compete at that. He's He's got his tour card. He's got his, his career. He's got his money. It's really about majors for him. Yeah. And, and maybe this is a way of trying to refocus on how does he get over 72 holes how does he four win the US Open? Four or five times a, a season, and that's his, his main aim. I'd say that's. I'd say his sole focus right now is how do I win the US Open? That's it. Like Tom com- Watson will be his new coach. Complete that. <laughs> complete that career going Grand Slam. Oh, I don't know what should happen. Do you, do, you think, do you think if he doesn't? Do you think it tarnishes his career? Not in the slightest. No, he'll sitting in his rocking chair, an old man. Yeah, he'll have a a big pang of regret with his what six second place finishes. That'll that'll sting. Do you think it's a, it's a big risk for him to change from Butch at this stage? No, like no, no. I don't think Butch would have. Uh, I don't think this was led by Butch. I think we can all agree that Phil was the one who has dictated the the move away. You know, Butch would have kept with them. I'm sure. Yeah, he if probably Phil wanted to. But you know, we need to talk. You know, it was probably Phil that made the phone call. It was probably call. like a dear Butch letter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for all the good times. Sad violin playing over the top. But the fact of it is, if you look at the way Phil's been playing over the last while, he's still been there. But the, you know. With Butch as his coach, it hasn't been going great. No. So something is stale. You're yeah. looking away. Um, so the fact of the matter is that whether he's, you know, whether he goes with no one now as a coach or whether he moves to someone new, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is that what he needs to do is he needs to tidy up his driving. That's the only thing that's yeah. causing yeah. Phil problems at the moment because he still has that unbelievable short game. His putt is a little bit iffy, but it's his driving that is causing him problems. He hits the three wood a freaking mile. Uh, but he can't hit the driver. A bit like Tiger Woods. You know, you see him on the driving range and he's smashing the driver. He's pulling it right to left, left to right, hitting his targets. All of a sudden, put him on a golf course. He can't hit the driver to save his life. Mm. Is it an age thing? Is it them trying to do things that they used to be able to do when they were 20 years younger? Well, to, to, put, to put this in perspective, and we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at this, but just I thought you'd be interested. Golf Digest very kindly put together what has occurred over the last two decades since Phil Mickelson was outside oh, the top 25. Like uh, Jordan Spieth was only two. <laughs> so uh, I think that probably uh, says it all. Um, uh, the iMac, the iPod, the iPhone, and the iPad weren't even created at the, that stage. Now I think, in fairness, the iMac was, but not in the manner it is nowadays. Um, and uh, Tiger Woods won all seventy-nine of his PGA Tour titles, including fourteen majors, and had a seven-year majorless drought over the last twenty years since uh, Phil was outside the top twenty. Wow. So you know, puts it in perspective of just the longevity. I, I hope that he and I know this is something that really American listeners will get more use out of, that like he has a breakout season again next year that you know, well this year, this twenty sixteen wraparound. But that I'd love to see Phil back. I just there's something great about him. Mm. Whether he is truly the nice guy or whether it's great for the persona He's just, he's great to watch, and I just, I just oh, enjoy he's a it. phenomenal player. Like, if you have any interest in golf, to see the shots that he hits, 
you know, they're the impossible shots, like, you know, the kind of way. They yeah. are the shots from behind trees. They're the shots that, you know, you look at and you go, there is no way that he can get near the green from where he is. And it's purely because of the problems his driver is causing him. That's what the problem is. Like, he's getting out of them, but if, if he was, if he managed to curtail his driving somehow, he wouldn't be in those scenarios. So yeah, maybe less distance and more accuracy. But he is that kind of modern day Seve, you know, it gives you like, excitement and that little kind of spark and twinkle in the eye. It just it makes it, he's compelling to watch. Yeah, but um, it's also the little stories it, yeah. that you hear about him, like, you know, the, so, way, the stuff that he does for the support, the spectators, you know, he is the real nice guy. You know, whether, you know, I, I, I just truly believe he is that nice guy. People wonder, is it a, is it something that he puts on? No, I don't that. think so. You can't get away with it. If you're faking it, you can't get away with it. Not for 20 on. years. Yeah, I don't think there's any other player that we will ever watch that will do what he does in terms of playing shots off, you know, the, 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 uh, the corporate, corporate hospitality, the corporate. uh, you know, things like that. Stuff that you'd love to try at home on your own course. But you know that you just absolutely scratch the shite out of your golf clubs. Oh, and you're brand new so, this, this is this is rich coming from both of you. I can never see you playing off a uh, cart path if, uh, with your golf club. God no! Yeah, Not exactly. as those new ones coming in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Precisely. I've, I've played off paths. I know, but your golf clubs were built in 1832. Yeah, but that probably helped your golf clubs. 1942. <laughs> um, in relation the to uh, yeah. in relation the to the ones, the Nick Baldos. In in relation to the LPGA Tour, they were out in Japan playing the Japanese Classic, and uh, this went to the playoffs, and uh, I'm not going to get her name right, and I practiced this before I came on, Soon Yang An, we'll go with that. That's an 84% win, yeah, yeah let's I, go with I, that. I apologise, <laughs> uh, she, uh, she stuffed her 6-iron um, from 165 yards on the first playoff hole uh, to 5 feet, and she calmly sank the birdie putt to claim her first LPGA Tour victory at the Toho Japanese Classic. This was a, I think she's the Japanese, she's a part of the Japanese and Korean uh, LPGA. So it's a big win for her. And uh, I'm sure with that, it, it goes on to, to give her many more options on the LPGA proper. Uh, so congratulations to her. Um, I suppose there was only really one show in town last week, and uh, it was the WGC HSBC Championship in Shanghai. And um, Russell Knox, uh, after four or five years, I think, on tour, being the, the nearly man at various stages, eventually gets over the line, winning by two shots. And uh, I think his comment said it all... Uh, that uh, he expected his first one to be a big one, and um, this was this was pretty big. And um, was his decision, Barry, on the Saturday to bail out on playing the 18th, where the lads were in just pitch darkness, mm. came back early, birdies it um, on the the Sunday morning, and he just didn't really look back too much at that stage. It's it's funny. That's I think it's only a great decision in hindsight after he makes the birdie the next day. If he comes back the next day and makes a bogey or a double, he's like, oh crap! I probably should have played it last night while I was warmed up. But it just sets him off on such a great tone for the day because he's come out. He goes, I've one hole to play. Objective, obviously, you know, to make as low a score as possible. He makes a birdie. He goes, great! I feel awesome today. And he goes out and shoots a, you know. So just to put it in perspective, and he had 67, 65, 68, 68, and um, you know. 68 was was a pretty good score on the final day. Um, Danny Willett went out and had 62, but he won by two shots over Ke- Kevin Kisner. And um, was this this really, you know, for you, Will, 
you know, the coming of Russell Knox. He's been around quite a while on the US tour. He's he's Scottish but plays I think he was a collegiate player and, and, and stayed on the US tour. Um I've been banging on well before your time on this show about Russell Knox and I have to say I did back him albeit late on Saturday night uh, when I got home I decided I'd, I'd, I'd stick money on him at 6-1 to one each way to win and is he the kind of player that shows this new type of player on the US tour and the tours that Phil just can't stick with oh well the funny thing about this and this what I was watching it you know all week from Thursday to Sunday was the fact that um, even in the last group it was DJ Kisner and uh, Russell Knox, right? DJ, who is the biggest hitter on the tour, you know, I think, by miles, even when... I think he's about five yards outside McElroy, mm. or ten yards outside McElroy, and McElroy's a big, big boy off the tee. But Knox was uh, about ten yards behind Kisner, who was then 40 yards behind Dustin Johnson. Mm. So, the you know, the big hitter, you know, he just was on his game. Well, and his the wedge play was it was super. it was ridiculous watching some of the shots, but I think it was it was set up as a kind of a dream uh, tournament for Russell Knox from start to finish. He was seventh reserve mm. to come into the competition, right? He eventually got the call up to to play. His wife, who was his, I think, his manager, um, had to try and arrange the visas for him to get over there last minute. Um, she could only get him a visa. She couldn't yeah, get his caddy. caddy. Couldn't take so one. she had to caddy for him in the pro am uh, and in the practice rounds before he obviously got himself a caddy. Whoever that may be, I don't know the ins and outs. Whether his, it's, his new caddy, his new caddy. <laughs> <laughs> that old caddy. Sorry for the guy who was yeah, yeah. back in. But like he came in, and you, you wonder to yourself, like you know that he came in obviously in that scenario not expecting anything. Mm. The other way, like, you can be over-prepared in some scenarios, right? Yeah. Like, for example, we go out on a Saturday and we've gone to the, well, I sometimes go, I've gone to the driving range in the morning, I've gone out to the practice area, all of a sudden I step up on the first tee and I knock the ball down. <laughs> yeah. You know, you run up in the car, yeah. you know, having arrived late, you get sent up on the tee, and all of a sudden you hit a lovely shot in, you part the first, you're gone, next thing you come in and you've had a great score. Mm. There's a lot to be said for not thinking about something like that. He wasn't even in the competition, so therefore yeah. he wasn't thinking about it. Now I know... You were in it for four days and he, you know, he was always there, thereabouts. It's similar to Ian Poulter the week before this, where again, just gets in and puts a decent, you know, he didn't win it, but he no. put a decent round for the way his season was going. Look, looking at it though, Barry, you know, look, look at Kevin Kisner, um, Kisner and, and the guys underneath, but Danny Willett, Brandon Grace, Dustin Johnson, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Patrick Reed, Jordan Spieth, all of them in the top 10. You know, these are names that are just coming up every week, week after week after week. They've, they've got to now be considered, surely, you know, household names at this stage on the tour. Yeah, I doubt they're getting bored seeing their, having their name or being in contention every week either. Um, I, I genuinely believe Patrick Reed was going to uh, win it. I did so too, to the tune of lost money on my <laughs> betting account. Yeah, okay. I backed him. Um, so just some very impressive golf uh, overall. We speed didn't touch his clubs for two weeks and Warms up over the first two rounds, you know, four under, no big deal, and then bang, shoots a 63. So, it's, look, the talent is just pouring out of these guys. But it's quite clear with Jordan Spieth that it's just such an innate, you know, uh, a gift that he has. It's, it is, and I, 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 I'm loath to make this comparison, but it's like when you saw Tiger the first time before he overanalyzed everything and before he, 
you know, change swings and change them again, change them again. He's just a guy in Jordan Spieth who just clearly goes out and just loves playing golf and has a, just a natural ability that can do it. Like that, two weeks of not playing, comes out, finishes top 10, um, you know, 63 in the middle. And, and not bad, 68, 72, 63, 70. Like, not bad shooting, you know, it just... The, the conditions were there for better shooting, but... But what I will say is that, and as you're saying about overanalyzing things and swing changes and all that, he's obviously up to something because it got very annoying watching him play. He was um, doing the whole Ricky Fowler takeaway, mm. uh, doing it twice uh, before hitting every shot, and it got very frustrating watching it. Now, obviously, there's a purpose behind it. It's the fact that he's not opening up the face of the club on his way back. So he's keeping the face very much closed and therefore pulling across it and bringing it viciously as a vicious hook. Mm. So he's trying to change that to keep the, the club face open so as he's coming in and getting a good draw against it rather than a hook. But it's just, you know, is he changing? Is he tinkering with something that isn't broken? Or is he just is he struggling with it? It's amazing how even the top players in the world can be just playing phenomenal for so long and it just goes off. Yeah. You know, just, and it's an inch. It's, you know, it's just like opening, you know, you don't open... A can of tinned goods and it's fine. It'll stay there for years and you can still and it's still good. But you know, it could just go off like that. It's just amazing. But it, the, it really the, is. It's, it's a really interesting analogy. I'm I don't know. I was trying to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get out of there too. The I don't team. know if anybody else, the listeners, uh, understands that. But if they Let's do, we have podcast GTS. Cut that out. <laughs> no, but he has. Been pretty, but like pretty much, if you if you look back on uh, this year, he had a bottle. I mean, literally, that was it. It was there. Just don't mess with. It. Don't no, touch but the whole it. thing about but him was it for can, him. It was the putting because it's golf. It can it can actually just it can just disappear on any of us. So he's now had to introduce this thing because there's, there's something wrong in the swing either technically or mentally so he's had to introduce this thing to fix whatever he thinks is wrong or what actually is wrong mm. it's just such it's is this such something a mind melter the way that you saw this week or is this something that you've seen creeping no, into this game so it may be that after two weeks of not playing that this might have been that he just felt that there was something about out and it was a I need to do this on the practice round you know, I need to then take this with me to the course for the four days because if I don't, I'm going to come off too, you know, I'm going to go outside too much or inside too much. Well, it I may just be for this week. It will be interesting be. to watch next week yeah, yeah, no, to that see whether be, or not he's still doing it. That may be the case. It, it's it. just a, it, the fact of the matter is that Jordan Speed, when he had it bottled, as, he, as you so say, it was literally a button. You know, he was lethal from 20, 20 foot, you know, the mm-hmm. way. Now, you're watching him now, even playing at the weekend. <clears throat> no, I know he had the 63, that he was back on, you know, getting every putt that he looked at. But on the other three days, he was still leaving the ball 20, uh, 20 foot away, uh, but missing the putts, right? Mm-hmm. So he was, he was human. But you could see when he was going out with this practice swing, that he was coming in and, you know, all of a sudden he was back to his, oh, Jordan, oh, Jordan, mm-hmm. and the ball would be like 15 foot away. Shots that we'd be happy about. Let, yeah. Let's, let's swing back for a second to Russell Knox, because I do think he deserves the final say in this because mm-hmm. it is a, a, a co-sponsored or co-run uh, tour with, event with the European tour and the US tour. He's now got exemptions on both. Do you see Russell Knox now deciding before the beginning of January to take up his membership of the European tour to try and make the Ryder Cup? Is he too late or can, can he No, I think he can, because the European tour doesn't end till next week or the week after, he can uh, start okay. in January. This is going back to, is it Paul Casey that's not taking yeah, yeah. it up? He has till the 1st of January to decide. He'll have to commit to 13 events mm-hmm. yeah. to be available for either a, um, to be either available for 
the selection either automatically or, or, or by, yeah, by yeah. captain's picks. He's a US tour player playing in the US, knows the US. Is he the kind of player that Darren Clark would be picking up the phone call, phone to making a phone call saying, look, Russell, you know, any chance you might really strongly consider taking up your dual, dual tour status and, and certainly, your worth, in that certainly worth a phone call just to investigate. I think for, from Clark's point of view, you know, you got to consider, that phone call's already been made. you got to consider all tour winners. And it's interesting you should say, just mention the final series and the qualification criteria. There are some changes coming from next year I'll mention briefly. The, um, WGC HSBC champions will not be part of the final series, so they're dropping it from four tournaments to three tournaments next year. The reason being that only the top 50 in the world plus local invites get into that. So the European Tour have deemed that too stringent a criteria to qualify as part of the final series. So that makes a lot, an awful lot of sense, and yeah. fair play to them for doing that. It's a big step to actually take out a marquee event like that out of your final series. <clears throat> the other one that's quite interesting is the... There's a reduction in the tour's membership requirement from 13 events, including WGCs and majors, to five events not including WGCs and majors. So we think we were discussing this before the show. We think this benefits both the high high end players. So just repeat that players. for the listeners, because I, I just so, so they, have, at they the moment they have to play 13 events. Yeah, and as of next year they'll have to play five not including the WGCs and the majors. Okay, so. Is this this could be very much pandering to the Paul Casey who was complaining about thirteen events just being just yeah. simply impossible to play? But the, the, in theory, if you're the, if you're in the top fifty, right, you were playing all the WGCs and all the majors, mm. so there was eight anyway. So you still only had to play five regular tour events anyway. So, but it, it there is a slight tweak, and you don't end up with this poacher situation where he had planned to play the WGC as part of one of his thirteen events. All of a sudden, boom, he's out of the top 50, and he's gone, uh-oh, I need to play another event, and he's got a scheduling issue, and poor Rich Beam can't play the Hong Kong Open on his sponsor's invite. It also means that, in reality, the guys like Rory, Casey, these guys can play the Irish Open, the yeah. Scottish Open, and then, you know, a couple around the same time, being around Europe, plus the, in effect, leading up to this this, this closing series get his five events because the likes of Rory is obviously going to play in the majors and play in the WGC. But you're looking at the money, they'll follow the money so they'll go to like the all Dubai but, at the beginning of the year. But that's the point. Yeah. The point is that they'll play their three what, what they're actually game. doing is they're making it easier for the, the, the top Scheduling. players to be able to play both in the US and, and in Europe. Yeah, I think it makes it easier for everybody to schedule as well. They know if I play these five regular events I've got my European tour status so Rory goes and I'll play the Scottish Open, the Irish Open, like I said, a couple of tour, a couple of events early in the year and yeah, blah, blah, the, the, blah. The, the big ones, like the BMW and things like that. Exactly. Or, yeah, the Wendt. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think it's a good move. Um, but, like, you know, remains to be seen. You can, you'd only know in reality once they've been, once it's been implemented. Yeah, but well, I think it's also a big thing that, obviously, a situation arose this year where one of the best players in the world injured themselves and was out for two months, therefore affecting their availability for out events, yeah. wider cup, uh, qualification, whereas... As it stood before he got injured in May, whoever this particular good golfer I'm talking about, mm. um, you know, he would have actually had all his events played. Yeah. So, yeah, good, good move for them. I'm sure we'll talk about it more um, yeah. when we get to it next year. Um, you, Barry, before we move over to what was considered a second rate, though the people who won it and played in it probably wouldn't think so, you've looked at the tour school and the cube qualifying, which I suppose is for the Irish very boys, important yeah. for, for the local listeners. And, uh, Paul Dunn has done quite well, and a couple of other Irish lads are are through to the finals. 
Jack Hume, unfortunately, was close, uh, but no, he got into a playoff for a spot um, where in four different. Sorry, I'm pulling them all. Up. They're all up here in front of me. There were you wouldn't think that, would you? Second stage qualifying <laughs> skill. No, no, I have it all off the top of my head. I was studying beforehand. Second stage qualifying in the European Tour. There are four separate events. Uh, four separate events, and the. Top two, top eighteen uh, from this one in Panoramica Golf and Sport Resort got through. Brian Casey won it from Ireland. So that's superb. Well done, Brian. Who uh, I will give a shout out to because he is also the person who goes to uh, the yoga class uh, with Anne Marie Kennedy that I go to. So uh, just going to get another one in there for this. If you don't win like three club majors <laughs> next year now after this, and we uh, so anyway, yeah. So Brian Casey, yeah. Well Jack Hume in the same event, unfortunately, lost out in the playoff for the spot. Paul Dunn came 17th in his event, and it doesn't show he qualified here. James, can you explain that? Did he not? Well, I read that he did, but um, we'll double-check that. We'll have to um, double-check on the European Tour website. The, queue, the queues are not all the way down, which is kind of unusual. Um, a couple of the other boys struggled quite uh, quite a lot last week. Rory McNamara, uh, Michael McGeady, Gavin Moynihan. So uh, hard luck to those lads. You know, it's it's good achievement to get the second stage of Q School. It is. It's a brutal process to try to get a card that way. Um, maybe they'll get a few sponsors' invites. Maybe they'll try the Challenge Tour next year. Yeah, and and we've seen a lot of guys coming through the web dot com. So it's not it's not impossible to to do it the hard way. Um, let's look at the Sanderson's Farms Championship in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. It's played over a twenty seven hole complex, seven thousand three hundred. 54 yard par 72 and uh, Barry was spotting last week that they're called the Dogwood and Azalea Nines were used and uh, Peter Melanti continues the trend of the first time winners in the season, it was the fifth first time winner in events and uh, he's had his card I think since 2014 but if I look back on this and he won by a shot 69, 66, 68, 67 this was a rain-interrupted and very messy scheduling of an event, but a lot of the guys under here that you wouldn't really know a huge amount of the names, William McGirt, David Toms, Aaron Baddeley, we, we, in fairness we do know, Roberto Castro, and uh, they're really kind of guys who, it, it was probably a web.com plus Event isn't that mm. probably yeah, about right? It's an early season event when the big guys are taking a bit of time out and or the young Bain guys. Or WGC, <laughs> yeah. Also, but the um, yeah, they get a chance to battle it out and try win a try win an event. And Peter Malnati came out and won. This is his second time on tour. He had a tour card back into 2014 season, lost it, went back to the web.com school last year and finished ninth um, in their rankings and got his tour card and came back out and five events later whew, yeah and, days, and he's, just, four events he's later. just taken a check for $738,000 and uh, much more importantly for him is an exemption to the next two years on tour which uh, means he won't be returning to the web.com anytime soon no superb win and a lot of guys with a great chance to win there on the final day and um, a few of them really fell off who was it? Was the Roberto Castro would be kind of disappointed after his great start to the tournament? His his seventy five in the third round really puts him in a bad spot. Um, a few poor final rounds, and many lads will be a bit disappointed about letting that chance slip. You uh, you highlighted to us before we came on air uh, the the story of William McGritt, um 
Oh, Wayne McGirt, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Kind of hit the golf channel. He was um, after the Canadian Open in 2012. I mean, he was talking about his mental approach to the final day in this tournament, and he's saying after a um, the Canadian Open 2012, he, he was kind of up the leaderboard, and he was telling the story about it you know, a couple of days later on the putting green. And Tiger overhears this, and uh, to quote McGirt, he said, "I was telling the story on the putting green at the PGA Kiowa later that year." And I told Joe LaCava, who was Tiger's caddy at the time, that, that I'd never looked at a leaderboard on the back nine and that it was my only regret, McGirt said. And Tiger was hitting putts and looked up, looked straight up and he said, what? So they had a bit of an exchange back and forth and um, Tiger basically said, you're an idiot. You need to be looking at the leaderboard. Which is, you know, it's interesting because we were talking about that stuff there a few weeks back, you know, about knowing where you are, knowing what score you're on as you're going around and being able to embrace it and, and actually get excited about it and, and, and work with that knowledge and not be kind of afraid of it. So that's, that's our version of the pros of the leaderboards. So we've heard of a few of the guys, you know, just say, oh, I put the head down and just try and make birdies and that's all I do. And I think these guys, I'm, that's, that's it, that's there, right? In front of us, Tiger was a born winner, and he always wanted to know, and he always wanted the challenge of trying it's to win. It's the same as what Jack used to say, yeah. you know. So you can't really uh, dispute the top two in, in major champions as the fact that they always wanted to know. That's the way it should be with done. Him, and it's obviously the way it should be. Um, some really quick googling by me. Um, the unfortunately, the European Tour website was a bit of a mess with the big playoff. There was a playoff, and Paul Dunn got through the second stage of Q School. They did a six-hole playoff. Oh, thank God! Um, I was, yeah. I was slightly worried that I. No, I was. Too, I was sure I read that he went I through. I was looking up to try and find him. I was looking at there was no Q beside his name, and I was going, "What the hell?" No, that, no, so that's no, no, the, no, web, I, the I website's strange because it should like they should have the Q beside his name, but didn't in his. So uh, anyway, and I was sure I read it, but you know, you always want to confirm. Just want to confirm. So that's great. Keep going, Paul. Yeah, um, absolutely. And to the other Irish lads, let's. Uh, let's get more Irish guys on tour. Um, looking at next week in the LPGA moves to uh, the Mexico City golf course and uh, Christina Kim defends after a playoff from last year. The <clears throat> the betting at the moment is Inby Park 5-1, to one, Lexi Thompson 6-1, uh, Suzanne Pedersen 8-1, to one, uh, Kim is 10-1, to one, Anna Norquist is 14-1. to one, Miji Lee is eighteen to one. Uh, Christy Kerr twenty eight to one. Brittany Lancome is uh, twenty eight to one, and they kind of go out from there. Um, gonna have a bet on this, Barry? No, no, having a clue. Will having a clue. <laughs> um, so let's actually move. quick shout out to anyone who is interested in betting the LPGA on Golf Betting System. The group there, the Golf Betting System Facebook group. There are a couple of guys out there who have unbelievable knowledge on the LPGA Tour, and they do a post every week. Oh, fantastic. And they have some really good tips, and one of them is really, really good. He's he's uh, he's up a lot of money against the bookies. Um, well, well, here's my tip. Just tend Tour. to go with the South Koreans. <laughs> they tend to they do are well. winning phenomenal events. So, look, let's look at the European Tour, and I suppose it, it is where the major focus is this week in the BMW Masters in Shanghai in China. Um and if I, I have the odds Marcel Seam defends yeah. with Rory taking a week off before the race of Dubai finale, um, and I suppose this is you know it's it's it, it, it's a case of the guys trying to close the gap against Rory. But um, let's have a look at the betting here. We've got Justin Rose is the is is leading it at five to one. Henrik Stenson twelve to one. Patrick Reed sixteen to one. Paul Casey eighteen to one. Danny Willett 
18 to 1. You take him he, 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 for a top 10 at the moment with the way he's playing. Brendan Grace, 18 to 1. Sergio, after his tight 11th last week, 22 to 1. Shane Larry, 25 to 1. Matthew Fitzpatrick, 25 to 1. Victor de Brisson, uh, 28 to 1. Martin Keimer, 30 to 1. And we kind of start going out from there at this point. Um, in terms of the course setup, and it's, you know, something that I suppose it's very. It's long. It is a long, long course. Does that rule out quite a lot of these players, and does it pinpoint who, what kind of attributes you think might be uh, necessary to, to take home the trophy? Um, you're going to need to be hitting, like, if you're going to be playing a long course like this, you're going to need to hit. A decent distance off the tee, and you're also going to need want to be hitting the fairies because you you, know, I, I, you want a lot of control over the ball when you're coming in with long approach shots. I should have said it's seven thousand five hundred and ninety-four yard par seventy-two. Yeah. Just it might, it might not it might, might not play injury. from the tips now because of the time of year. The course is wet; they might you know shrink it down a little bit. But um, yeah, definitely need to be uh, doing some pretty good ball striking. And according to the stats. Um, you want to be putting it pretty well as well. You so you want an all-round game then? A good, a good all-round. <laughs> no, no, you do. <laughs> yeah. You do want a good all-round game this week. You know, a lot of parts of the game firing. There's no one particular thing that would stand out. Shane Lowry, twenty-five to one. Take it now. I would take it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but I find like the thing about it is you're talking about a par seventy-two, so you're talking about five par fives. So anyone who's in playing anyway decent golf can get those five unders, uh, four rounds of five under based on the par fives. It's 20 under. Mm. You know, you're talking about the big hitters, Justin Rose, like, uh, McElroy was playing with, uh, Justin Rose in one of the tournaments recently. He couldn't get over how far, uh, Justin Rose was hitting the new M1. Yeah. Like he said, it was just ridiculous. Like that he was p- pumping at 20 yards past him. But it's not even just the driver. Rose has been a sneaky big hitter for a, oh, quite a long time. But this now. new M1, he, even Rose said it. He was like, I don't even feel like I'm hitting this. And it's going 300. Wow. Really impressive. I, I think Rose is going to be tough, tough to beat. He's in good form. Five to one. Yeah, that's too short for me. I, I, a little outsider, well, sort of creeping back into form. Peter Uline, he had a good result here the last time he played, and he's think, uh, thirty-five to one at the moment. I think twelve to one on Stenson's quite generous. It's quite a jump from Rose to Stenson in the betting. Um, I think uh, Stenson might be getting a few of my euro as well. Yeah, it would be an interesting one to look at even the each ways. There's five places being play, pay, paid out in some places. I'm sure you can probably find a sixth in, in, in other betting companies. But um, Yeah, know, for a limited field events, that's a, finally an advantage. Yeah, like you certainly, you know, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Danny Willett, they've been there. Brandon Grace has been there last week. Sergio, top 11. You know, they're, they're decent odds of 25s and 28s to 1 um, that people might be interested in. Suppose then... You know, looking across to the US tour and it's the OHL Classic and this again, similar to the, uh, the LPGA is down in Mexico. 6,987 yard par 71, so significantly shorter than the, the BMW Masters. Charlie Hoffman is defending and the current betting as it stands is Matt Kuchar 12 to 1, Russell Knox 20 to 1, Jason Bone 20 to 1. Um, Harris English twenty two to one, Patrick Rogers twenty two to one, Brendan Steele twenty five to one, Charlie Hoffman defending champion twenty five to one, Graham McDowell is there at thirty to one, and uh, we kind of go out again from there. Um, 
you can and with this particular betting company they're they're paying out seven places at the moment in relation to it so <laughs> the background of their logo is green um, <laughs> so yeah well we weren't going to give them some advertising yeah but anyway those that particular company and um, really the focus for us is going to be on the BMW Masters and I think that's that's really where we're all looking this week and um, any name shoot out at you there that you, you you'd you'd fancy as a long shot coming into form or I haven't got into any real um, proper investigation on former stats in this tournament, but just from an Irish point of view, it'd be great to see GMAC kind of continue those little hints of form he's been shown recently. So hopefully he has a, it's a nice, it's a course that probably suit him. It's a bit shorter, you know, so he's not the longest off the tee. So uh, if you can get the game going, hopefully you can even just grab a top 20, it'd be great for the confidence. Or even top seven for your each way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the top 20. You stop giving hints about who we're reading the odds off. Like um, the, one, the one thing I'd say about GMAC, and uh, the one thing I noticed the last time he was playing, at, where was it, in the BMW or something like that, was that uh, his putting was really coming back into, mm. yeah, you know, and that's what he needs, because he was always going to be the guy who was maybe not making the long par fours, he might need to get up and down. That was his big saving thing, and that seems to be coming back into play. So I think he's got a good chance. It's good. It's good. 30 to 1, is it? 30 to 30 1, yeah. Um, certainly, yeah. Uh, Certainly, some good names there that that you kind of forget every so often. Like I'd Jason Duffner there is down at fifty to one. Keegan Bradley fifty to one. You know, it's amazing. What about how some guys can you go double each way? You know, if you're going to, I yes. don't know much. You, you want you want to back a winner in each tournament? Yeah, but can you double up on it? I don't know what that really means. Doubles and trebles, <laughs> you just put twice the amount of money on. No, but you know you can get a double and a treble. So, the so if, you, if you want to pick the winner of the OHL. Cask and Mayakoba and also the one of the BMW Masters. Yeah. Yes, you can do that. But can you do it each way? You can, but the problem with golf each way bets is it's not quite as lucrative as you think it is. And they do have an explanation of it on the golf betting system page. So to give them a plug, uh, the boys Steve are very Bamford. good. Steve Bamford and Paul Williams, yeah. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk, they have a nice explanation of each way doubles and they're not always, uh, they're not as lucrative as you think they are. Well, I know, because you get percentages of the actual each way price if there's a tie. Yeah, well, it's not even, not even the ties. It's, uh, it's quite cutting. You don't, you think, oh, you're, I'm going to get huge amounts of money here if they just fin- both finish in the top five or six according to the terms. You don't quite. Go read it. Go, and go, go read it. What I'm saying is I'm thinking Shane Lowry. Graham McDowell. Oh, the Irish. Well, there you go. There we go. Well, so that's what I was getting. Somebody at. at Podcast GTS might explain to Will how yeah. to do that. Oh no, that's twenty five to one and thirty to one. Will Will needs to go do his homework and study, and we'll quiz him on it next week. Yeah. Well, look, on that because note, you. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Will. Thank you to Barry. Thank you for the listeners for listening. Get in contact with us at Podcast GTS is the Twitter handle. A good talk spoiled at gmail.com is the email address. Enjoy it, whatever golf you play this weekend. If you don't, enjoy watching it. And we will look back on the week that was next week. So the best of luck and goodbye. Bye-bye, <laughs> Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.